0: Hey now, we are Getting Over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, with a very special WWE Money in the Bank Go Home Show edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast, that's right, Getting Over is back, once again we have the silver king adam silverstein we have vintage chris vanini and we are convening right after the first edition of wwe smackdown in front of live fans in nearly 500 days the fans were going crazy at inside houston texas the silver king watched it a little bit delayed celebrating his birthday vintage chris vanini was able to watch it live we're going to break down Many of the things, not everything, but many of the things that happened Friday night on SmackDown as it relates to WWE Money in the Bank this coming Sunday from Fort Worth, Texas. The Silver King also has, before this show is out, a very special interview one-on-one with the great one. Not quite, maybe kind of close. The Silver King sits down with former WWE Champion Kofi Kingston, we have a great one-on-one conversation. We not only talk about Kofi's career, New Day, being split up between Raw and SmackDown, we actually talk about the MVP and Shad Gaspard video when Kofi won the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 35. We also discuss the New Day and the Usos freestyle back and forth promo with Wale from a few years ago. I believe it was on SmackDown at the time. It's a great interview. I hope you all stick around. For it. For anyone listening to this show, just know that we have timestamps for everything that we're discussing on this episode in the description. So if you want to listen to the go home stuff, that's great. If you want to hear and jump to the Kofi Kingston interview, you can do that as well. All you need to do is go to the episode description, find those timestamps, and jump to the part of the show that you want to listen to. So, really quick, before I welcome in vintage Chris Vanini, I got to remind you what this show is all about. It's all- That means head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop a five-star rating and review, remind people, tell people how much you love this show. Look, this is uh, is a birthday episode of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. The Silver Kings, a few beers. We're not gonna do the exact number. I'm a few beers deep right now doing this show for you. The least you can do, give me a birthday gift. If you have not already, head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop that five-star rating, give me a review, let people know why you love this show. And give them a reason to listen and subscribe. And also, do not forget to follow us on Twitter at GettingOverCast. Chris, welcome to the show. I know that was a long intro. Uh, Look, we're taping this right after SmackDown went off the air, slightly delayed because look, the Silver King was at his local brewery, Due South, Boynton Beach, Florida. I had a good time. I had a good birthday, and I wanted to, you know, celebrate and bite a little bit. But here we are. uh, SmackDown went off the air. You and I sitting down to break it down, man. I loved the show. I know you were kind of a little iffy about it, but I thought it started hot. I thought it finished hot. And in between, it did a lot of setup for what's happening going forward in WWE.
1: Yeah. First off, happy birthday to the Silver King. It's still July 16th where I am yes, it is. recording this. Uh, and shout out to Boynton Beach. My grandparents used to have a place there. I, there <laughs> I don't live there, just to be clear. Thank you. Though I used to go there as a kid. Sure. Uh, yeah. We got, we got a show with fans. It was awesome to start for the most part. As it went on, I was a little iffy about some of it, which we'll get into. But overall, it's a huge net positive. Great to see a big crowd. I'm excited to be part of a crowd on Sunday. I will be there at Money in the Bank here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I am very excited.
0: I'm excited for you to have that opportunity. I'm a little bit jealous. Look, I mean, there's been some stuff that's come out, right, about WWE and things that may or may not happen Monday on Raw.
1: I'm um, I- them. I haven't
0: seen them. so No, no. Yeah, I'm not going to mention them right now either. You know, we're, we're not a spoiler podcast. We don't do that. So we'll save them. I'm not going to get into the negative, right? I want to talk about SmackDown. I want to talk about the go home to Money in the Bank. And we're going to save a lot of things that happen on SmackDown that don't relate to the pay-per-view. We're going to save that for our Tuesday show. We're not going to get into rumors and innuendo and and all the things that we don't know that may or may not happen. The spoilers from Dirt Sheets. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to see what happens, you know, this upcoming Monday on Raw and and the following Friday, of course, on SmackDown. We're not going to get into all that. I want to stay in the moment, right? I'm coming off of SmackDown. And Chris, I got to say, I'm I'm always going to pop for Vince McMahon straight (laughs) off the bat and the no chance in hell entrance, which is just top tier. Him walking into that arena Friday night to open SmackDown and simply saying, where the hell have you been? And then leaving was just, it was to me, it was awesome. I think everyone watching probably wanted a little bit more from him so they could really pop and Vince could say a line, everyone could cheer, and then he could walk out. But I got to say, it was almost perfect. The way he kind of no-sold the moment, like, where the hell have you guys been? Everyone cheers, then he just walks out and the show starts. For me, that made sense, and I thought it was a really hot start to SmackDown.
1: Man, Vince is, is a weird dude. And, he's a weird dude, <laughs> and I mean, we we got the whole Vince Vince bit at WrestleMania, so we have had a sort of welcome back there. Although that was three four months ago, uh, th- it was pretty funny. I, I, I think the crowd is a little confused for a second. <laughs> I think if you hit that music immediately when he's done talking, it maybe they get it better. But it was I thought it was funny. It was a great way to start back. Yeah, it's only a two hour show, not a three hour show. Uh, let's get to tribal chief, which is right. what he wanted. So it, it was it was funny.
0: And this is not spry Vince McMahon, right? Like his age is showing and that's not to be offensive in any way to him. It's just the truth. Like Vince isn't the personality to come out there and be able to cut on his own a 12 minute promo like he used to be able to do, right? He He's there right. for short punches. He gave a punch. The crowd popped. He left like it was almost in my eyes. Perfect. But yeah, let's move past Vince. So Going into SmackDown, right, you know, we all see what gets popped up on Twitter, Reddit, wherever else. I saw pictures of the set online and I was pretty down on it, I have to say, because it reminded me of the WrestleMania 35 set, which was one huge screen and a black glossy stage and nothing else. But I got to say, and I don't normally (laughs) like to say that my first impression is wrong. But as I'm watching the show, man, that set was eye-catching. The mm-hmm. I don't know if it was 1080p or 4K or just high definition, whatever the case. It was an LED screen, but it's not the LED screens that WWE has been using, like with the dots that all formed right. together. It was a big-ass television screen. And it was eye-catching. It was striking. And it reflected off of the surface in such a way that the entire show, every entrance that we got, felt like it was a big deal. Now, I don't know that I love the augmented reality piece of the entire thing or the lack of the structure, not having, you know, different metal pieces and extra pyro popping out of this and popping out of that. But I got to say, it was a hell of a look having a screen that big with high-definition graphics and pyro.
1: Yeah, is it my favorite set? I'm, I'm not going to say that, but you're right, because normally they have those sets, the the screens in the back that are full of a bunch of little lights, but they're not small enough. Right. So when you get the light coming off of them, it's hard to see the wrestlers, and they don't look like they're in focus. Because right, it looks blurry, coming, right? Yeah. It's yeah, me too, past. yeah. And I hate it. They've had it for... A while and I hated it and I think it looks terrible. But this was different. This is exactly what we said. It looked it, it looked sharp, flat, and everything, and you could see everything clearly. The the like right off the bat when you see Rey Mysterio's face flashing, and you can make out the pupils in his eyes behind him on the screen uh, as he's walking out. Uh I really liked it. Like I said, when when the lights are off and stuff, it's not pretty, but uh, first impressions of this new set, I'm uh, I'm a fan. But yeah, the augmented reality, I know they've been doing it for a while, but man, they went overboard <laughs> with it here. I don't know if you could notice, but uh, Progressive was the sponsor of the show. you didn't catch <laughs> right. that. The with a drone times. that just was there the yeah, entire time. Yeah, 50 times they put it yeah. up there. Uh, honestly, I hated it because I wanted to see the crowd, and we got so much augmented reality, I didn't feel like I was there. Honestly, it took away quite a bit. Love the set, but man, that that that
0: AR was too much. And the and the other thing is that the augmented reality—it's only single issue. Like it affects the TV viewer, so we get to see it, but the crowd doesn't see it. So the crowd is just looking at one screen and pyro, and and I don't know that that's the worst thing because again, the screen was pretty awesome. Like I'm, yeah. I'm just being honest. I don't like a single screen setup, but if you're gonna have one, have it being the quality that. That one was, you know, I'm not going to really complain about it. So I don't know. We're going to see how it how it kind of moves forward. If that's the SmackDown set and the Raw set is different and the pay per view sets are different, then it's probably going to be okay. And if SmackDown wants to go in that direction, it's fine. Let's not forget, you know, right before the pandemic, Raw had that half pipe, single screen type of set. Yeah, I hated that. I hated it, too. And SmackDown had its own unique set that I think we both really liked. Yeah. So maybe Raw has a really cool set and SmackDown is just going with a single screen. I don't know. We're going to have to find out. We're going to have to wait and see because this is all brand new, right? We're all just kind of talking about this off the cuff. Uh, So look, let's move on to the opening of the show. We had Roman Reigns and the Usos against Edge and the Mysterios. I was surprised, obviously, that this started the show. I thought it was going to be the main event. Uh, The Reigns entrance, Chris, was incredible. Uh, Soaking in the booze, the electricity of the entire thing. It really felt special. Edge also had a sick entrance and he got a massive electric pop that really should not be underrated in my opinion. The fans were going crazy for him. And like I said, I was surprised this opened the show, but it made complete sense to pop the crowd the way they did. Given we had a women's title match, we had a fatal four-way set for the show. There were other big matches. Let's get the crowd going right off the start. I thought they succeeded in that way.
1: Yeah. And, 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 just like with WrestleMania, you start with the WWE Championship match. I, I was wondering if they might open with some sort of promo. They they didn't. They actually didn't really do many promos. <sighs> like um, a promo,
0: like "Hey, welcome back,
1: fans. in the That's ring, or just or just. Yeah. I, I I was thinking Roman might just come out and talk shit to the crowd, and, and and get him. Um, we can get into that at the end of this bit, but sure. Uh, yeah, it it, it made sense to start with this. Crowd was hot. Give him Roman Reigns. The boos are loud. You know, it felt. It felt like they succeeded in what they did with him. WrestleMania, he got booed, but it was unique situation, hard to tell. Here in a TV audience, he got booed. They show a shot of the crowd. You got little kids doing thumbs down.
0: Which is great. So, yes.
1: yes. So they, they have absolutely succeeded making Roman into what they want to. Right. Uh, the, finally. The crowd booing Reigns was really awesome. Like, for them to buy into it.
0: And by the way, you know, we'll... This podcast has not existed. I have to stress this. This podcast has not existed with live crowds. Like we started in March during the pandemic. And we've never been able to review a show that (laughs) really has a full crowd. I've talked a little bit about the AEW crowds and the WrestleMania crowd. But for a regular TV show crowd, this Houston crowd was fantastic the entire night. They delivered in every possible way. And, you know, we'll talk about... The things that happened on the show, good or bad, they sold everything. And WWE should be really pleased with the way this crowd reacted.
1: Yeah, th- there were some comments on Twitter that people thought they might be juicing with fake noise on certain situations. I didn't think so. I wasn't sure about that. Yeah, I, like, I, I know WWE's done it in the past. I, I You would have thought for a show like this, they wouldn't need to do it. I don't know if it's true or not. Maybe it's just a good crowd. Maybe it wasn't, but but uh, maybe it was all the crowd. I mean, but but either way, g- good crowd. Um, obviously, obviously, very much added to the environment of watching a show. It compared did to what we've had. And even if WWE did juice it,
0: and I, I don't know that they did. Right, I'm just not positive about it. But even if they did. They didn't do it in situations where it wasn't appropriate. Like, right, right. They did it in spots where the crowd was legitimately cheering, and maybe they made it louder or right. something
2: like that. Yeah.
0: So nothing felt out of place. It was not Thunderdome bullshit. It just felt real. Like if I was so excited coming home, I went to a brewery for my birthday. I'm coming home. I know there's SmackDown. I know that there's big thing that's got, things that are going to happen. I didn't have any spoilers, which was great. And I just sat down and watched the opening of the show, and I'm like, "Man, this is wrestling. This is yeah. what we missed. This is why we do this shit. You know, like this is the excitement that we've wanted
1: and we haven't been able to experience.
0: So it was really cool to see." I,
1: I went, I went, I at the first commercial break, I went back and rewound and rewatched the entrances for Roman and Edge because oh yes, yeah. they were just awesome. I'm gonna rewatch after we do this podcast after I publish it. I'm gonna
0: rewatch the start of SmackDown like before I go to sleep. That's. Yeah how cool it was and how much I feel like I didn't get to absorb it because I was taking notes and because we were preparing for the show. But let's move on. We got a lot to talk about. We want to keep the show super short. So Reigns powerbombed Dominic into the announce table for this match. Dom later hit a springboard splash outside. He got taken out by Reigns into the ring post. Reigns then intercepted a 619 from Ray, only to get speared by Edge at ringside. The Usos caught Ray and grabbed his tights for the roll-up 1-2-3. Edge then used a chair on the Usos after the match. Reigns took him out with a Superman punch. He got booed by the crowd. He ripped off a bar from the chair and was about to use it when Edge answered with a spear of his own, grabbed the bar, and put Reigns in a crossface. Reigns was screaming, and he tapped out live right in front of the crowd. This I thought the, the finish to the match itself was a bit anticlimactic, and it deserved a better finish because it was a good, exciting, fun match. But it wasn't offensive in any way because the post-match is really... The point of the entire thing. And that was absolute fire. It was a really good go-home segment to build the main event of Money in the Bank. And it was a hot start to the first show with fans. Overall, despite me having some issues with it, I did think it was a big win.
1: Yeah. And it, it was important to, to show Roman tapping out too. Right. Because Dan O'Brien made him tap out and it didn't count. And that was part of the story leading in the match. You know now that Edge can make Roman Reigns tap. And that's something you're going to watch for going into this match. So lo- love this whole thing. Finish was a little bit anticlimactic. Yeah, but we did, get a, we did get an edge spear on a Roman on the outside that popped the crowd. And then you get the finish in there. So it wasn't uh, it,
0: it. So it fit. It, it was fine. It was. Now backstage later in the show, Edge said he made Reigns tap out like a bitch and knows that he has to beat him at his own game Sunday at Money in the Bank. Seth Rollins was watching that promo. He was cackling his ass off at Edge, agreeing that Reigns was self-absorbed, but saying that Rollins had his number. He said he would win Money in the Bank and finish what he started the last time that he had his boot on Edge's neck, which you guys probably remember from back in the day. I believe it was with J&J Security, that whole deal. So it was a great callback from Rollins. It was a pretty fun segment. I loved this. This was a clear build to SummerSlam. Which is going to be, I mean, I'm, this is no spoiler because I don't even know that it's been reported, but it seems, Chris, blatantly obvious that we're going to get Seth Rollins against Edge at SummerSlam. And holy yes. shit, is that going to deliver?
1: Yeah. And, and, and in the ultimate preview, I made the point of, you know, if you know, if you think Cena's coming back, maybe you have Roman Cena at SummerSlam. But if not, maybe Edge wins and you get a triple threat with Seth and there two is a possibility. It's but Either way. Yeah. Either way, we're getting Rollins versus Edge. And on this point, there were a lot of backstage promos. And I don't think um, it was just a couple of in-ring promos, which was very weird to me. Uh, I Like, first episode with the crowd, I thought you'd want to get as many people out there as you can with the mic, like, like they do with Baron Corbin later, to just... Get the crowd involved, but man, there—I mean, I mean—there was this one, there was a Paul Heyman one, there was an Alpha Academy one, there was a lot of backstage promos, which just felt weird for the first show back. I thought they would try to get everybody out in front of a crowd. Not that you need to do a whole entrance and everything, but just right. have them out there because you know AEW is now back with crowds, and they don't do many backstage. Um, I mean, they do a good. I mean, they do some, but they they get a lot in the ring. Andrade, Nyla Rose, this past week. Yeah, we but like them. I'm thinking like the Cody Rhodes, Malachi Black stuff. And sure, they, they tried sure. to the, the 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 Hangman uh, Hangman Kenny stuff. They do a lot more in the ring, at least two two weeks so far with crowds. And I was surprised that WWE didn't have more in ring. Promos before a match or something like that, because uh, they they also did video packages too instead. So it's just
0: something that stuck out to me. No, no, you're right. I think the biggest surprise was that Reigns was not on the mic. Right, Reigns not speaking live in front of the crowd, and Edge, the challenger, speaking on the mic but doing so backstage was probably a little bit strange when one or both of them probably could have cut a promo in front of yes. the crowd and, and gotten a bigger response. Yes.
1: So yeah. And, and, and we didn't get Roman at all the rest of the show. Yeah, true. Stunned yeah. me because every SmackDown for months has been a Roman story throughout the show. Yeah. 45 that, to 60 minutes of Roman. Yeah. It's sometimes too much, but that's why SmackDown has been so good because they were telling a story and that didn't happen here. And that kind of gets into as we get into the rest of the show here. Some of the things I, I didn't love as so much. See that, that's yeah. what excited me about the show. It's, you know, we had a little bit
0: of a disagreement. You thought it was good. I thought it was a great SmackDown, but it was mostly because it just felt like they kept giving things that were unique and new and fresh. Even the Fatal Four Way main event, it's something we had not seen before from a match standpoint. And it just felt a little bit fresh and new. And the crowd really For sold sure. everything. Like, For sure. it was really the crowd that made the show good, not necessarily. Yes. The booking, but let's keep going. Let's let's wrap up SmackDown. So Paul Heyman was backstage. He told Caleb Braxton in an interview that Reigns would force Edge to atone for his sins. Then Paul was interrupted by Big E doing his entire exciting entrance announcement. Big E told Heyman he should be shook, because ain't no such things as halfway crooks. After Edge tapped Reigns out earlier and then walked off. If that's a tease for what we can expect, and Chris, you and I have been talking about it on the show. For six months, maybe nine months, Reigns, Biggie, a huge event, maybe WrestleMania. Holy shit, I'm all over it, and you know this,
1: man. Yeah, the fact that we we got a Biggie Paul Heyman face off there feels like uh, a hint of something to come at some point down the road. I think we both picked Biggie to win the Money in the Bank. We did. I'm, act- I'm actually kind of thinking of switching that to Riddle, but either way. Uh, Biggie's going to play a role and clearly there is a role for uh, a high profile role for him here in the future.
0: We'll do some last chance picks before we get out of here. So don't, don't worry. We will have a second chance for all those matches. Uh, Let's keep going. Natalia and Tamina uh, against Shotzi and Knox in a non-title match, which is what we got last week. So I didn't fully understand why they did this. They promoted it as a contenders match, (laughs) even though Shotzi and Knox beat them. Last week in a three minute match. So you had Knox at the Shining Wizard, Tamina broke the fall, Liv Morgan and Zelina Vega, they were on commentary. They brawled at ringside. Morgan caught Vega with a clothesline, and then Knox caught Natalia with an inside cradle for the win in what I thought was another pathetic three minute match. At least the segment went longer with Natalia and Tamina getting over on Vega, uh, only for Morgan to then stand tall at the end of the entire thing. But this lent to me, Chris, even more credence to the idea that Morgan is possibly or maybe probably winning Money in the Bank on Sunday, as did the huge, massive cheers she got in a post-match promo that you and I both watched, but did not air live on SmackDown. So I hated that this was another three-minute match, but I at least appreciated that the match wasn't what was important. It was the post-match. And in that, we had Vega get a little bit of offense and Morgan get over at the end.
1: I I thought this whole thing was a mess, to be honest. It was messy. Because the the Zelina Liv talking on commentary was just like bickering like children. It wasn't good like trash talking at all. Although Liv did have the line, Zelina, you took the longest vacation in WWE history. (laughs) That That was a good line. That was at the beginning. It was. But then they were just going back and forth. You're not even paying attention to the match, which apparently was a number one contenders match or something. And then it's over, and then we get the brawl at the end, and it's just—it really took a like. After you debuted Shotzi and Knox, they were like the third of three. They were like the third most important thing out of three of the people involved here, because you have the tag champs there in the Money in the Bank, and you have the two people in the Money in the Bank. Sure, just like I thought that was—I thought this was a mess. I thought this would have been—I said this last week or this week—a great place to have debuted. Shotzi and, and Tegan Knox figure out figure out something to do last week if Bailey's out. But there was no reason for them to debut them last week. No to do it, this it, again. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like yeah. you know, obviously I would have not done this exact segment in debuting them, but I, I thought this was a mess. Morgan looked great coming out at the end, and she had a nice little jump off the steps clothesline type of deal. Uh but yeah, every, this was yeah, three minute match. It's just pathetic. All over the place. It was a mess. I know. Look, I know there were two women's matches on
0: the show, and like, good for SmackDown for finally giving us that. But to, for to give us another three minute women's tag team match with people of this caliber, it's just an insult. Like, why are you doing it? Why even have the match just do a promo between both teams? Say, hey, we beat you last week. Okay. Challenge each other. Maybe have a title match next week, right? Have Liv Morgan come out because two of them are in Money in the Bank. We'll talk about that in a moment. And just have them brawl, and then have Liv Morgan come out on top. You don't need to have the match, and have the champions now lose twice in a row to a brand new set of challengers yep. who haven't even officially won a number one contendership. It just—it doesn't make any sense.
1: And we but, haven't gotten much of an introduction to them. Other no, than, we don't know shit other, about them other than they beat them last week. <laughs> that
0: was all and we look, were told. Pat McAfee did a good job kind of telling us about them, and and that's great. But we need we, more than that. We need the, to hear from them. This is what right. I'm talking I about watch NXT. I know who yeah. they are. You know. Not everyone does. So, all right. Uh, SmackDown Women's Championship, Bianca Belair against Carmella. That happened on SmackDown originally. It was Belair against Bailey in an I Quit Match at Money in the Bank. I thought it was great to see Belair get an awesome reception. And she even got an EST champ before the match, which was cool. Mela hit a hurricana off the ropes for a near fall. Then she reversed a glam slam into another near fall. Belair got taken down to one knee with a guillotine, but countered into an impressive delayed vertical suplex. Shades of Davey Boy Smith, the British Bulldog. Uh, Belair eventually used her braid for a slap and hit the kiss of death for the one, two, three in what was a nine minute match. Look, here's the deal. Mela wasn't a strong contender for the title. So I didn't necessarily mind the length of the entire thing because truthfully, the idea is that Bianca Belair is the champion and she's been strong. So she should probably beat Mela pretty quickly. And nine minutes is a lot more than the three, four or five minute bullshit that we've been getting recently. But this should have gone a couple more minutes. You don't do the tag team match. You give this one 12, 13, 14 minutes. And I'm much happier if they do it that way. But look, the goal was for Bel Air to go over strong. That's what happened. Most important was that the crowd fully bought into Bel Air as a face champion. So because of that, this whole
1: thing was ultimately a win. Yeah. I, I mean, I say it every week. that the, the, What we got to, what you got to do with Bianca is let her go out there have an awesome wrestling match and look uh, uh, look strong, and that's that's as important as anything. And that's what we got here. It wasn't a three minute dot, and it was nine minutes enough to enough for it to be a match, but not anywhere where she was in danger because we knew she wasn't going to lose this title here. Uh, so that was great. She's someone who I don't think has ever wrestled in front of the crowd. She debuted pretty much right around the she debuted at Center WrestleMania thirty six, Bianca Belair. Yeah, yeah. So
0: in the Thunderdome, I mean, yeah, in it, the, it,
1: in the uh, performance center. Yeah, and Dominic Mysterio is another one who had never other uh who had never wrestled in front of a, a real crowd. Not counting any manias and stuff, but I just mean like a regular, a full crowd, show. A sold out. Crowd. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to all the love she's going to get in the subsequent weeks and months because uh, she deserves it totally. And then the main event was the Fatal Four Way with the Money in the Bank contenders, Kevin Owens.
0: Biggie, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Seth Rollins. I popped so freaking hard for Rick Boogs doing his thing in front of the full crowd. Pat McAfee was going crazy. It was awesome. Everyone chanted Nakamura's entrance theme, and it just felt so damn good. I, the only thing I don't like is they're calling him King Nakamura. And like, I know he won the crown, but he didn't win King of the Ring. He is Shinsuke Nakamura. He's the king of strong style. Why don't you just use that? I know it's a nitpick. It's annoying that they're doing that. But everyone chanted his entrance. It felt good. And it was almost in a way that you hope it wakes WWE up a little bit to what Shinsuke Nakamura can be if they actually decide to push him. If they had given him a championship win over AJ Styles during that feud at any point. And they just never pulled the trigger. But the fans... Freaking love Shinsuke Nakamura. Anyway, uh, as far as the match goes, Biggie immediately hit a Tope Subasita spear on Rollins. Kevin Owens followed with a cannonball, and Nakamura hit a flying knee. Biggie hit Nakamura with the big ending, but Rollins broke it up. Owens climbed a ladder at ringside and hit a huge elbow drop into Nakamura through a table that sent the crowd into a damn frenzy. Knocked the cameraman over. It knocked the cameraman over. Everyone was going nuts, and then they panned right back to the ring. And Rollins caught Biggie with a stomp into a ladder for the one, two, three to end the match. It was a relatively quick finish to a relatively quick match, but the huge spots sent the crowd, like I said, into a frenzy, got them really excited. And it was a really good go home segment for Money in the Bank because look, the women's match candidly sucks, the men's match is freaking awesome. Yeah. Top to bottom, all eight men. It's gonna be a banger of a match. And I gotta say, it just felt so good to watch this main event. And I didn't even care how nonsensical the finish was.
1: Yeah, which you your point on Nakamura. This is also the first time in a long time that we got his face theme, essentially. Cause he had moved to the one with the lyrics because they didn't want people in front of a crowd, yes. Because right. they didn't want yeah, because they didn't want people cheering even before the pandemic and stuff like that. Uh, so after after the main event went off the air, uh, I I um, went back and pulled up the NXT Dallas to watch his debut and the crowd reaction to that and everything like that. And, and I had that same reaction. Like, man, like, Shinstein Nakamura was a... He was a thing. He was the dude at one point, And you can get him back to that point and people will be on board with it. Uh, match was frantic and fun. You know, we didn't get weeks and weeks of... These people are in the match. They're going to fight each other. Matches. So then, when you don't, when you do throw them together for a go home match, that doesn't really mean anything. You're still into it because it's new, it's fresh. It's Kevin Owens versus Nakamura. We haven't seen that before. It's Big E and Rollins. We haven't we 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 haven't seen that stuff before. So, uh, you know, we were you might have been surprised that Roman was the first match, but this was totally good as a main event to send him home. It was. Now this is what we're gonna do over the
0: remainder of the show because I think we broke down pretty well what happened on SmackDown, our enthusiasm, our excitement. We're gonna save more of that for Money in the Bank itself and we're gonna see what happens on Sunday. So we're gonna do last chance picks for the Money in the Bank matches just really quick. We'll talk about who we think is gonna win and if we are sticking with our pick that we had on our ultimate preview, which by the way, you should listen to. For some reason you're listening to this and you have not listened to that, go back to Tuesday's show, listen to our full WWE Money in the Bank ultimate preview of every match on the card. They actually added a match to the card, Chris, and they added a competitor to the Women's Money in the Bank. So we have plenty of reason to talk about all this, but we're going to do this last chance, picks and thoughts. Then I'm going to give you the Kofi Kingston interview one-on-one with the Silver King. And then we're going to wrap up the show really quick with DM slides, your guys' questions, Chris and I give you answers. Before Money in the Bank. So, okay, Money in the Bank, last chance preview, the go home show, Universal Championship, Roman Reigns versus Edge. Chris, I am not changing my pick. I see no other finish than Reigns beating Edge. I think he got a good go home moment on Friday, Edge, you know, being able to submit Reigns once again with the cross face, with the bar, you know, from the chair through his mouth. But again, you know, just like with WWE, and this isn't the end of the world, but usually whoever stands tall on the go-home show doesn't win on the pay-per-view. So it kind of only solidified for me more that Reigns is going to retain the title on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think that SummerSlam Triple Threat is a possibility, but the way things played out on SmackDown makes me think, almost certainly, no, Roman Reigns, the big dog, will retain. And I'll be there in my Roman Reigns shirt. You will indeed. Very jealous. Chris is going to money in the
0: bank. WWE Championship, Bobby Lashley defending against Kofi Kingston. Now, I don't know that I made this clear on the Ultimate Preview, but I very much want Kofi Kingston to win (laughs) this match, right? Like, when I was booking the damn territory two, three months ago when we were talking about this, my ideal is Kofi winning the title in front of a live crowd and popping everyone because I think... It is the right booking to do it. You know that Roman Reigns is not going to drop the title. So you want a big moment to happen on the show in terms of a title change. This is that moment. I don't think it's going to happen. I do still believe that Lashley is going to win and retain the title. And that's going to be my pick. But I do want to, I did want to clarify, I should say, that if I'm WWE, if I'm booking this pay-per-view, I have Kofi Kingston go over Lashley. Because I want that crowd pop on the first pay-per-view back. And Kofi is a legitimate WWE champion who would bring a little bit of freshness to Raw, which has gotten extremely stale over the
1: last couple of months. I have enjoyed Bobby Lashley's title run. I agree that Kofi's would be more fun. But again, especially with the way Raw ended, uh, my pick is going to be continue to be Bobby Lashley.
0: Indeed. And there are some rumors and reports regarding the WWE championship. Those are expected to kind of come to fruition Monday night on Raw. And we will discuss it if it happens, as has been reported on the Tuesday show. So we're not going to get into that. I can't
2: hear
1: you. I'm
0: not saying a word, so you're fine. (laughs) No spoilers. You're making me want to... Don't. Go to- no, don't
1: look at it. Don't look I at it. No, I was going to say you're making me want to go to Raw, but I realized I can't go to Raw because I'll be trapped. Oh, no, I would definitely suggest you not go to Raw. I, this is a
0: negative, double, <laughs> not double. a positive. So do not go to Raw. Stick with Money in the Bank. All right, speaking of Money in the Bank, the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, Drew McIntyre, Riddle, Ricochet, John Morrison, Big E, Kevin Owens, Nakamura, and Rollins. Big E has been my favorite from the beginning to win this match. I am 100% sticking with Big E. If I had to pick a second, originally it was going to be Riddle, but considering the RKBRO storyline, I just think they're going to keep him in the tag team picture. I have a feeling they're going to win the titles off AJ Styles and Omos eventually. My number two, if I had to pick a second, if we're betting, throwing two bets onto the field, number one, Big E. Number two, Seth Rollins, but I do not think it, I do not think it ultimately will be Rollins, but that would
1: be my number two. I mean, Riddle can win the money in the bank and still be in a tag team with he can. Randy. I, I, and you could even turn it if you break them up and Randy wants to take it from him or something. I think you can do that. I, I, it's why I'm really close to switching to Riddle. Um, but if we're if we're if we're both picking heel champions winning, it, 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 I think it's Big E or Riddle here. I guess I'm gonna stick with Big E. But man. I really think Riddle's got a real shot.
0: He should. I mean, it's Biggie or Riddle in terms of the people who should win, and you could throw Ricochet in there, but exactly. he's not built up enough, right? No, we no. wish he was. We wish he was built up to the point where him winning would make a lot of sense. To me, it really doesn't. I think Riddle's a great
1: option. I just don't think it's necessarily going to happen. But anyway, I, I also think Kevin Owens would be a great option. I know you don't just seem to. He just doesn't need like. But he is so. He's so. He's so over. It. I know, I know. And it was again today that I, I like if, if, if you do it to set up a, a title change at some point with him, a crowd would go crazy for him. He doesn't need it to get into a title shot, I know. But again, I'm just thinking of, of things that would would pop the crowd. No, no, you're it's right. It would pop, pop the win. crowd for him to but win. No one's really, we're not really talking about him, but I I, I I think he's got a chance. It would pop the crowd for him to win. But again,
0: my thesis with Money in the Bank, it, it's a couple things. One, you give it to someone who gets a boost from it, from their career, someone who has not been maybe in the main event picture, but you want to elevate to that type of status. Owen's already been there, right? Right. So Biggie is that type of guy. And then the second thing is when you do win money in the bank, you allow it to last. It needs to last for months. Um, Or at least at a minimum weeks, like you want to get a storyline out of it. It gives the person who owns it something to do without being directly in the title picture. So, You know, that hasn't been the case in WWE recently. The Money in the Bank over the last three years has been squandered massively and it's actively hurt WWE's booking because they don't realize how important Money in the Bank is for its storytelling and how exciting the idea, the tease of a possible cash-in only to not actually cash it in can be every week on television. It gets people excited, but they've been cashing it in quickly. They've been giving it to people who don't need it. Brock Lesnar, Otis, freaking ridiculous people so my hope is no matter who wins, it's someone who makes sense in that context. On that note, we'll move on to the Women's Money in the Bank, Asuka versus Naomi versus Nikki Ash, Alexa Bliss, Zelina Vega, Liv Morgan, and then the final two women on SmackDown announced for it, Natalia and Tamina. Uh, look, I, I don't want to get into the whole thing because this is we're trying to keep the show short, the idea that you're putting Natalia and Tamina in this match, as opposed to debuting Tony Storm in the match, giving the opportunity to Shotzi Blackheart or Tegan Knox, even allowing Carmella after losing to Bianca Belair the opportunity to just get back in. We've seen it before. We've seen Becky Lynch lose a title at Royal Rumble, then enter at number thirty or twenty-eight or whatever the hell number it was. Put Carmella in the match. Have Sonya Deville enter herself in the match. Literally anything would be better booking than putting Natalia and Tamina in this thing. I am not excited for women's money in the bank. The field, there's a lot of women in this that I like and I think are talented. And individually, I think put on good matches. But this field for this match, to me, sucks. And it it could over-deliver and shock me. And I hope it does in every possible way. I don't believe it's going to. I'm sticking with Liv Morgan, maybe Nikki
1: Ash, but I'm going with Liv Morgan. That's my pick. My my pick for this was TBD, because I thought there was going to be a Sasha or Becky debut. Right. I, I think Tamina, to, to again, I, I haven't looked up any dirt sheets, but Tamina getting put into this makes me think that the debut may happen on Raw instead, I guess. Maybe, hopefully, I would like some sort of reason that this happened. Um, So picking otherwise, I'm... To me, the thing is with me, Money in the Bank is a heel gimmick. And because you're usually you're usually hitting someone when they're down to win the title, usually. And that's a heel thing to do. I'm starting to lean a little bit toward Zelina Vega, actually, coming on top of this. I'd love for Naomi to win it. I'm kind of on the fence about Nikki Ash's whole thing right now. I know you're big on Liv Morgan. I, I think they're big-ish on Liv Morgan, but... I had they haven't given her like enough of an extended run period to to kind of get a sense of how they feel. So I'm changing my pick since my pick is no longer real. Uh, I'm gonna go with Zelina Vega.
0: That's the most action I've had all year. That's how much I'm into Liv Morgan. Let's just be clear. Yeah. I can't uh, no, Zelina makes sense. You know, especially coming out of SmackDown, her getting kind of hurt, right, and killed. And not getting over and Morgan standing tall at the end, it kind of says, well, if Morgan's standing tall, she's not going to win. Zelina probably will. And Morgan will be the one who's kind of a victim out of the entire thing. So I do think Zelina is actually a great pick on your part. I'm just not going to go with it because I said Morgan initially, and I don't really have much reason to change. So I'm going to stick with it. Uh, We'll go to the Raw Women's Championship, Rhea Ripley against Charlotte Flair. I think we both said Charlotte Flair is going to take the title here off Ripley. Yes. Nothing has happened, obviously, that makes me think otherwise. So I'm going to stick with Charlotte. Yep. Sticking with that. Raw Tag Team Championship, AJ Styles and Omos against the Viking Raiders. I think Styles and Omos ultimately lose the titles to RK Bro. It just seems like such an obvious booking for a massive pop at SummerSlam. So even though the Viking Raiders, they've been getting a, getting a little bit of a push, you know, some momentum from Raw,
1: I'm going to stay with Styles and Omas. I am too. It, it, I feel like there's still so much they can do and I hope we get that over the next month going into SummerSlam because they were basically off for like a month after WrestleMania and and I've I really enjoyed these guys. I want to see more of them. So I think that continues as, as, uh, as champs.
0: And then lastly here, the SmackDown Tag Team Championships announced as a kickoff show match on Friday. We just learned about this before the show began. The Mysterios Defending against the Usos. This is a good match, right? This should probably be the title match for SummerSlam. And I believe we already got this on SmackDown. It, was, it I don't f- remember the finish. Um, there was either some interference or the Mysterios won clean with a roll up or something. I don't even remember how it ended. But the Mysterios retained. Putting this on this show, I know they needed a kickoff match and they couldn't use the mid card titles because there's basically no feuds happening. It just feels like it's a total waste. They're doing a rematch for no reason. I'm going to go with the Mysterios retaining because it's a kickoff show and changing the titles doesn't make much sense, especially given everything that's happening with Jimmy right now. So Mysterios retain. Maybe the USO's win it at SummerSlam, but it just feels like an unnecessary match when you know there's probably going to be a rematch down the line.
1: Yeah, I'm picking the Mysterios partly because there aren't any other... Are there any other face tag teams on SmackDown? You have the, the USOs. Street you have... Yeah, but they've been injured. They've been out. Yes. So forehead surgery. If yeah. they lose, it's, it's, we're still going to get Mysterios and Usos. So in that case, I think the Mysterios hold on.
0: All righty. So
1: that is our
0: last chance uh, go-home picks to the WWE Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Now, look, you guys did send in some DMs. We are going to answer those before the show is out. But before we get to any of that, the Silver King this week sat down one-on-one with former WWE champion Kofi Kingston. We did it via Zoom. He saw the beard that I had, which has since been shaved. But because it was straggly, it was probably four weeks without a shave. Kofi thought I was Kevin Owens. Uh, so he gave me a lot of grief uh, throughout the entire interview about that. But we had a great conversation talking about the return of fans. Uh, you know, Kofi's time winning the WWE championship. Biggie being on SmackDown with New Day The other two members of New Day being on Raw, Xavier Woods' recent success, and yes, the famous video of MVP and Chad Gaspard crying over Kofi winning the WWE title at WrestleMania 35. And we also touch on the New Day and Usos cypher rap battle with Wale a few years ago, I believe it was, on SmackDown. All of that is contained in this interview. I'm excited for you to listen to it. So please go ahead and do that right now. Thrilled to welcome former WWE champion Kofi Kingston to the show for the first time. The man who has won a combined 22 titles in his WWE career is going for a 23rd this Sunday against Bobby Lashley at WWE Money in the Bank, airing live at 8 p.m. Eastern on Peacock in the United States and WWE Network internationally. Kofi, you see, I do the promos for you, man. You don't have to worry about it. That's what I'm talking about. Do I need to
2: say anything? Oh, no, you got to answer words. the questions. You got to answer the questions, but you don't got to do oh, okay, it Okay, okay, fair, That's fair. Good. That is the essence of a podcast. It is That's indeed. the essence of a podcast, <laughs> yes.
0: The last time I saw you face-to-face, you probably don't remember, we were standing atop a building in New York City days before your WWE title win. Now, here you are in the co-main event of another really important pay-per-view for WWE, the first in front of a sold-out crowd in a year and a half. Kofi, what does it mean to you that WWE – has turned to you again to headline another crucial event for the company.
2: Wow. The last time I thought I saw you was um, when I wrestled you uh, for the <laughs> WWE Championship and you took my shoe off, Kevin Owens. Which, oh, <laughs> Kevin Owens looking south. You know, that's what I thought it was. You know what I'm saying? But no, nah, man, look, we can't wait to be in front of the live crowd. It's going to be amazing, man. Um, you know, I keep saying this over and over, but uh, the way that the WWE product is meant to be consumed is in front of a live crowd, in front of actual people flesh human beings, you know, where we can make eye contact and see the smiles that we put on faces, man. Um, I can't wait, man. It's been way, way too long. Uh, We got a little bit of a taste of it at WrestleMania for a night. And the next night we were right back to the Thunderdome, which again was like great for what it was, you know, a bridge to get us across this pandemic. But, um, you know, uh, there's nothing like being in front of a live crowd. So um, I just can't wait to be in front of these guys, man, in front of you guys, you know, Um, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. How does it feel like WWE is putting their trust in
0: you to be that man, to be the man again, to be in that main event? What does that feel like? Does it I mean, I know you're a veteran. You've been doing this for a long time, but does that feel a little bit different where you kind of go and you're like, man, I'm juiced. They have confidence in me. They know what I can do. I proved it to them over that title run that I had a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah, it feels it feels good in a in a certain way um to to get that acknowledgement, you know, even if non-verbal, but just by being in that scene and being in that seat that is uh them saying that, hey, we do have faith in you. But at the same time, uh, regardless of whether I'm in like the top spot or at the very bottom, I'm always putting forth the same level of effort, you know. Uh I hold myself to a high standard, and I feel like nobody can hold me to a higher standard than I hold myself to. So um yeah, you know, it's good to get the, like, the pat on the back, the attaboy and all that. But, uh, I don't, I don't do it for that. You know, I do it because I, uh, I want the people to get the most out of, you know, uh, out of, out of their time, right? Like you spend a lot of time. There's a lot of wrestling on TV. There's a lot of uh, Monday Night Raws, a three-hour show, SmackDown, a two-hour show, NXT, another two-hour show, you know, or hour, whatever it is. But um, yeah, so it's our responsibility to put forth the best product that we possibly can. So um, again, we hold ourselves to a very, very high standard in that regard.
0: Before we talk about what's happening personally, I've always wondered, going back to that WWE title win, aside from your celebration with New Day in the ring, your kids, so emotional, one of the most viral videos coming out of that was MVP and Shag Gaspard shedding some tears right. and being overcome with emotion seeing you in that incredible moment. I've always wondered what you thought when you saw that video and whether since MVP's return to WWE, you've ever had a conversation with him about that backstage.
2: Yeah, we, uh, so I, we, I've kept in contact with MVP the whole time since he went elsewhere, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and came, uh, and came back, you know, um, MVP was one of the guys, and I've told this story a few times, where like uh, the first time that, uh, so I drove down from Boston all the way down to Atlanta when I got signed to Deep South in, in Atlanta, and um, I parked the car, you know, the truck, left my wife at home, and I went down to um, the uh, to, to Deep South, and I walked in there just to get a feel of like my my potential future, you know, and MVP was in the ring working out. He had just debuted a little while ago. Um, and I think he had a pay-per-view match coming up. So he he was in there and he was one of the first people that I saw like face to face. And um, you know, he was always kind of like a big brother to me in a lot of different ways, like um, you know, being cool to me when uh it it wasn't uh like uh commonplace to be cool to the talent coming up, you know, there was a lot of stuff that people had to go through. Um, but he never, you know, like, you know, made it difficult for me when I was up there. So um and then yeah, to see him kind of like go out and like live out his dream about wrestling in Japan and uh, do what he had always wanted to do and then come full circle, come back to WWE. Um, and, and then, you know, obviously like with, with him and Shad, uh, seeing that online, I, like, it almost brought me to tears because, um, uh, you know, I know that, uh, MVP and Shad both, like, they, uh, like they wanted me to do so well. Like Shad, um, when I, before I was even signed, He got in the ring with me before uh, the the show went on and it's like, okay, let's work out. And he put me in this arm bar and he had like nails. He he wouldn't cut his nails. He never bit his nails. He always had like longish nails and he put me in an arm bar. And he clawed into my shoulder. And I still have a scar on my shoulder from when he had me in that arm bar. But, of course, I couldn't sell it, you know, because I'm trying to, like, make a name. He's like, all right, I'm going to shoot you off here. I'm gonna give, me, give me a big drop kick. I'm like, this dude is letting me give him a drop kick. I just met you, you know. And he just wanted me to do so well so that everyone saw, oh, my God, he just kicked a six-foot-eight dude in the face with his drop kick, you know, when I had some more hops back then, you know. And, um, he went out of his way to kind of make sure that, uh, that I got noticed. And of course it was at that tryout or that, uh, situation. I think it was SummerSlam in 2006 in Boston that I got signed. And, um, you know, or I got the opportunity for my tryout and, um, and got signed like really soon after that. So. Um, Yeah, it was really emotional, kind of a full circle feeling where these two guys who wanted me to do so well were actually seeing the pinnacle of my career after all the struggle, after not being given an opportunity to even compete for the WWE championship for. Uh, 11 long years you know um and then on top of that the way that it hits with like other african americans like they didn't think that they were going to see like an african-born champion in their lifetime you know that's just the reality um and here we are you know and so for me to be the center of that for me to be the guy who was uh the the actual first african-born champion in the history of wwe means so much because you know the same feeling that they got I saw a lot of people in the crowd have. You had people that were hugging each other, hugging strangers because of this moment that I had. Um, And then being able to take that championship title back to Ghana and show kids who grew up like I grew up, you know, who were born in the same place that I was, that there's a really, really African and Ghanaian name on the WWE championship. Like they were just, their minds were blown, you know? So um hopefully that, in my mind, it like the potential of that sparking, uh, a desire and a belief in themselves, they can go out and really accomplish their dreams and do whatever they want to do. Like that excites me so, so much above all else, you know? Um, so I'm glad that I was able to be at the center of that situation. And um yeah, it's, uh it, it's just crazy. You know, now MVP is back. Of course, now, uh, you know, our <laughs> philosophies have grown different and uh, you know, it's this weird situation where it's like, man, like you, you taught me a lot. But I don't like the way that you conduct yourself. I don't like the way that you handle business. And you don't like, you think that I'm doing it wrong, but I've won 22 championships in WWE. Not that I'm counting. How many of you? Why no, are you that for you. <laughs> it? Why are you? Why are you, why you, why you telling me? Why are you, why are you telling me? You know, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic. And I think that a lot of the, uh, like the back and forth, like verbal, uh, joust that we've able to, that we've been able to have over the past like, uh, month or so. Um, have been so good because there's a real element of reality behind them, real emotion behind that. And you can't manufacture that. So, um, this whole ordeal with myself, MVP, Xavier, Bobby has been so amazing. And I feel like it's, uh, oftentimes you don't get a whole lot of time to build things. And we've had about, you know, a good month and a half, you know, maybe two months to like really build it the right way. So, um, it's going to be really awesome from a lot of different perspectives, obviously with the fans being there Money in the Bank, but also from the perspective of this has been a really good story that we built. So, yeah. um, you know, and now we got the full Bobby, you know what I'm saying? Like the real Bobby, the real Bobby. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I wanted, you know, because, uh, you know, I have said it in a lot of every interviews right now or today is that in order to be the best, you got to beat the best while they're at their best, you know, not drinking champagne in seg one and then wrestling a match in seg four. You can't. You can't drink champagne at work and go to work. You can't do that. You're not taking it seriously. You know what I'm saying? So now we got the real full Bobby through all that expensive um, furniture out of the ring in an angry fashion. And he's uh, threatened uh, my life, you know, Uh, which uh, I might might press charges and we might not have that pay-per-view. So that's on the table (laughs) as well because I'm not above that, you know? You can't make, you can't threaten, you can't threaten to cave my skull in. Is that what he said? You know what I'm saying? Like my that. God, end my career, sir, sir. I got a family <laughs> to feed, bro. You know, I just might have him go to court. I might, I might have him put in jail. You know, and I just might go out there and just uh and, and take the vacated title myself. I'm not above that. I'm not above it. You know. So we'll see, man. We'll see how it all goes. Should so be pretty good.
0: A lot of fans were apprehensive last year uh, in the draft when Biggie, you know, stayed on SmackDown. You and Xavier Woods moved over to Raw. I'm wondering what were your feelings about that decision in the moment, knowing and probably forcing them to ensure that New Day was staying together. But here we are, we're eight months later, right? Yeah, you're challenging for the WWE title. Biggie, long IC title run, in a really strong position on SmackDown, and yeah. Woods is
2: over on Raw, just beating the WWE champion. So, yeah. So, what did you think in the moment, and what do you think about it? Hey. Now? At the moment, like you could see it on my face. I said, this is the dumbest idea ever. Why would you ever do? Why would you you split us? Why would you split, you know, three guys who have this amazing, like, magical chemistry, this amazing, magical relationship that nobody else has had in the history of the company, as was proven on WWE.com when we were named the greatest tag team of all time. But who's counting? You're saying, you're just saying, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't don't read. I don't read the internet. I don't read the internet. But you know, if I get an award, then you know what I'm saying. Like I got to talk about it. But um, I thought it was really dumb. Um, But that was a selfish, uh, selfish thought because uh, at the end of the day, um, I want for Biggie and for Xavier to also be, uh, you know, to to get their due. You know what I'm saying? And um, I think uh, for Biggie to be on his own, I think a lot of people wanted that. They wanted to see what Biggie could do on his own. and so did we, you know, so did I, like, I I really want Big E to get a chance to represent the company at the highest level. So, um, he has all the tools. I've said it numerous times, like he's got the look, you know, he should not be able to move the way that he moves at that size. Um, he is a guy who is, uh, just, so incredibly gifted on the mic, like an, a, a legitimate, like, motivator, an orator, like, he can get you on the edge of your seat. He can make you laugh. He can make you cry. He can make you really, really scared if he starts to get mad. Like, he's really angry. You won't like him when he's angry, you know? But um, he, he and on top of that, he's a really, really good person, you know? And I'm really fortunate to be able to call him my brother. And, um, yeah, I think that, uh, like, yeah, he, he deserves a chance to really push the limits and and go for it. And um, a lot of people were like, well, well, the New Day's broken up now because one of you was on SmackDown and the other two were on Raw did you break up? We didn't break up. You know, we didn't break up. It was a matter of uh, like diversification. Right. Sure. He took over on SmackDown. We took over on Raw. At one point, he was the Intercontinental Champion over there while we were the tag team champions on Raw. So that is the goal for us to. Take over as much as we can, and then we congregate again, and we come back together, and we're even stronger. You know, um, so that's what we're doing, man. That's what we're doing, and he's doing great. And Woods is, you know, finally getting the, uh, the the props that he deserves. You know, and me and E always knew that Woods had that ability, and we joke about it all the time. But it's very true that Woods is the veteran of the group. He's been wrestling for a lot longer than myself and E. So, of course, he is good at this. Of course, he is able to go out and have these incredible matches. Y'all thought that he was just a, some some trombone playing lackey, <laughs> you know? And you were wrong about him. You were wrong about him. So, uh, he's able to show that and, um, and, and have these incredible matches. And people are finally giving him the respect that he deserves, too. So, life is good, man. It's a beautiful thing.
0: I'll get you out of here, Kofi, on this. Let's go back four years this month to the rap battle between you guys, the New Day, and the Usos. It's probably one of the best in-ring segments we've seen in years, but I feel like sometimes it gets forgotten. It gets overlooked a little bit. I've always wondered how much freedom did the five of you guys have in that battle to say what you wanted to say,
2: and does that even now stand out as a highlight moment for you? It is definitely a highlight moment because for uh, all intents and purposes, that should have been a train wreck. We're not rappers i can't rap i'm not i'm not a rapper i can't i don't have any bars you know what i mean like none of us did we've never done anything like that before we're all big fans of like the uh, the freestyle um technique you know mm-hmm. if you will we watch like king of the dot and and different freestyle shows like that and it's a talent man it's a serious talent to be able to deliver your lines in a way that rhymes and makes sense and that's witty you know and to do it like on on time so we did it, and it, was, uh, and it was great. The thing about it was that we didn't know what, what, what the uh, Usos were going to say. They didn't know what we were, we were going to say either. So, like, um, that was what, part of the magic. So, you know, we go out there, and it's like, all right, well, you bring your bars, you know, we'll bring our bars, and we're going to see what happens. And as it was unfolding, it was like, whoa, this is magical. So, um, yeah, that's really kind of like a real, one of the more, like, feather in the cap type moments because, again, like, <laughs> I, I am not a rapper. And a lot of times that don't make sense. I think I told, uh, I told someone to, uh, I told Jimmy Uso to stop like, uh, like eight sided, uh, octagons and, uh, a stop sign has a uh, six. And all the times I went over that line, nobody told me that a stop <laughs> sign had six sides. And I go out on TV and I deliver <laughs> it with confidence. I'm like, you need to stop, stop, eight sided octagon. And then everyone online is roasting me. I was like, I thought I did pretty good. And apparently I didn't know. You're that, gonna pick uh, on me uh, for that? Time. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, hey, but it's all good, man. I'm, I'm not a rapper. you know. I'm not a rapper.
0: No, you're not. That means you can catch Kofi Kingston, the wrestler, the sports entertainer, not the rapper, challenging rapper. Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship at Money in the Bank live in front of the WWE Universe, airing this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern on Peacock in the United States and WWE Network. Internationally, Kofi, it was great chopping it up with you again, man. My man,
2: thanks for joining us, and best of luck on Sunday. Right on, man. You too. And uh, I know that you've been having battles with Sami Zayn. I hope you're healing up. You know, um, I'm doing good. I'm okay. Bro, yeah, yeah. You're doing. You're doing pretty good. You know, you. I'm in the ladder good. match, so you know I'm happy. Hey, you're you're in there, man. You know, senton bombs, jumping off of everything. I know that you're going to be in a lot of pain, but I wish you a lot of luck and your Money in the Bank uh, ladder match as well. Not more luck than E. Not more luck than me. Fair, Fair enough, But I'll wish you a, a decent amount of luck, even though you stabbed me in the back with the whole big, uh, the, the big old thing. Hey, we that, all talk That's about that. in the past, you know, man. We it's it's think past. we forget it's about that now. I made you're up with right. you. we're right. good. We're you're good right. to go. You're right, you're right, you're right. You're we're good right. to go. All right,
0: Kofi, all right. thank you so much, man. All right. See you, man. Thank you. He's out. Thanks once again to Kofi Kingston for joining me. It was a lot of fun talking to him. The guy is just personality plus, man. He was dancing the entire time on Zoom. Maybe I'll release a couple clips of Kofi on social media you know, over the next couple of days leading into WWE Money in the Bank. But again, I appreciate him for joining me and I hope you all really enjoyed that interview. So as promised, before we get out of the show today, sliding into the DMs, I don't have the sound effect. It's the one thing I don't have on the new soundboard. I will find it eventually. Do not worry. But I do have some DM slides, Chris. We're going to kind of get through them before we get out of the show. First from Akeem Iverson at 2.0 w 9 teen Akeem, like, make your username like tougher <laughs> to read, please. Uh, no, but uh, I'm just kidding. So he said he wanted to touch on SmackDown's great work on long-term storytelling, especially when it comes to the main event he's referring to last week. at Helena Cesaro ripped off the Anakin Skywalker glove of Seth Rollins, which he has worn ever since his heel turn, but has not worn it since being ripped off. This is interesting because with Seth seemingly on a crash course for Roman, this is a small detail that plants the seeds for a potential future storyline. So he asked this to me, but obviously I have no idea what any of that means regarding Star Wars. So Chris, I'm going to give it to you. What do you think about that?
1: Well, uh, Anakin and Luke Skywalker, they both had a, uh, a half an arm or a hand cut off and they had a had a glove on that. And... Um, You know, Lex Luthor also wore one glove as well. Sometimes I assume he said Michael Jackson, by the way. Yes. Well, I assume he's saying the lack (laughs) of glove means face turned at some point if he's going to feud with Roman because theoretically you would think he'd have to be a face. I don't know if we're going to get that or not. I kind of have to see how this edge thing goes. I actually did not notice the glove until you read that DM right there. Um, So I'm not sure what it means. All righty. Well, look, I gave it to you. I gave you a layup, a
0: Star Wars layup on the podcast. I don't know that you dunked it, but, you know, it's okay. We'll keep moving on. Uh, J Mags at J Mags316, he said, There's a good story that Biggie cashes in on Bobby after Bobby rips Kofi in half on Sunday. Shows that the story of New Day as brothers is stronger than MVP's business proposition lifestyle. I think that's a, an option, right? I think Biggie cashing in on Lashley at the show after he beats Big E. I mean, after he beats, I'm sorry, Kofi Kingston. Sure, that's a legitimate scenario. I could see it happening. In terms of the Money in the Bank briefcase, at least as far as I can remember, since the brand split, I don't believe anyone has ever cashed it in on someone opposite of the brand that they're on. I also don't know that it's a stipulation that they cannot do that. So I think booking the damn territory, J Mags a good piece of booking. Is it going to happen based on some of the rumors and things that are out there? Doesn't seem like that is what would happen. And also, would it be cool for Big E to cash in on Lashley? Yes. Would it be cooler for Big E to cash in on Roman Reigns, maybe even ahead of time saying, hey, Roman, I'm cashing it in because I want a championship match at X pay-per-view?
1: That would be even cooler for me. You know it would be even cooler and it's not gonna happen. But it's Biggie cashing in on Kofi. I mean, come on, you're your wedge driver
2: here. You're driving <laughs> not, a wedge between you day. You can't but, do that. But
1: I, whatever happens, do not cash it in on the night of the show. I know I'm Please. gonna either. agreed. Do not do this. Spread it out for a long period of time. It's an easy story layup for you. Don't cash it in on the night of the show. That so that see. goes for
0: money in the bank. Look, yes. if occasionally you wanna do that once every five years, That's fine. Go for it. Right. But it is far too frequent where they cash it in quickly. It's far too frequent where money in the bank exists and then suddenly doesn't very soon after it happened with Oscar last year. That was a different scenario with Becky Lynch being pregnant. Understood. Understandable why they did it that way. But man, like these briefcases have to mean something. That's the entire point of money in the bank being an exciting gimmick. It creates an air of just on the unknown. What's going to happen? When is someone going to cash it in? Like, do you like Seth Rollins cashing in on Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns during that match after losing to Randy Orton earlier in the show? It was such a great moment because you never expected it would happen. Dolph Ziggler cashing in the briefcase, I think it was randomly on Raw and winning the championship. It
1: was, it was the Raw after Mania. It was the
0: Raw. The crowd went apoplectic because they never expected it to happen and they were so thrilled that Dolph Ziggler won the title. Those are the moments that you need. And by booking Money in the Bank the way they have recently with Brock Lesnar winning it, Otis winning it, come on. And then the women, I don't don't know that any woman has ever won Money in the Bank and held it for more than like a couple of days or maybe one or two weeks. So we want people to have these briefcases to create storylines and so yes, play them out over multiple weeks and multiple months and build up that anticipation so you get really excited and shocked and hopefully swerved whenever they actually cash it in. That's the excitement and the unknown that keeps people watching wrestling. When it's super predictable, that's when it's bad. So hopefully they you know don't go in that direction. We'll stay with J Mags. He had a second DM. Uh, JMAGS316 is his uh, Twitter handle. He goes, I noticed on Raw, Naomi looking flat for most of her segment. Her entrance looked mailed in. Some moves were lackluster and she didn't look motivated. Let's hope for a rejuvenated Naomi at Money in the Bank. I noticed that as well, but I also don't think it's really fair to draw any major conclusion. Sometimes people go to work and have a bad day and they're just really not excited to be there or they're tired or who the hell knows what's going on. So I don't want to cast any, you know, negativity negativity on Naomi for that, but I will say that I did notice that Monday night. She wasn't really the most exciting and fluid in her match.
1: Yeah, I mean I I said I think Naomi would be best case scenario to win, so I certainly hope it's a possibility. But uh uh yeah, I I I like I said, I, I I don't want to take too much away from one show. I honestly didn't even really notice it. So no, it's fine. I I, I wouldn't want to speculate on what anything does. or doesn't mean.
0: And then lastly here, Jonathan P at Johnny five alive seven. He said, do you think Jimmy Smith is fed lines by Michael Cole in particular, his favorite? Are you kidding me? So, you know, I think it's interesting with commentary. Do I think that Jimmy is given lines like that? No. Does he have bullet points he needs to hit? Yes. Is it incredible that Jimmy Smith has been on commentary on raw for Chris? I don't even know, man, two months, six weeks. Like it was right. It was right after WrestleMania backlash, right? I guess. Yeah, sure. Right. Like the fact that I'm not counting the weeks and that he just has stepped into that role and done such an incredible natural job with Corey Graves and Byron Saxon. That just speaks to his professionalism and his ability. Like, We point out how great Pat McAfee is. And by the way, he was great once again on Friday. But with Jimmy Smith, it's just like he fits and you don't have to think twice about it. So, no, I don't think he's fed lines like that by Michael Cole. I think he is just a really smart dude who knows what WWE wants from him in that position. And he delivers certain lines that probably sound a little bit canned. But other than that, I think he's doing a great job. I think Pat's doing a great job. And WWE commentary is. The best it's been since WrestleMania when Samoa Joe was still on the
1: Raw, in, in the Raw booth. Yeah, Jimmy Smith fit in like glove. He's been great. You don't even, he's just, it's natural with him. McAfee's been great. I actually thought tonight that he, I don't know if he got blown up or what, but he seemed pretty tired. He did, <laughs> it was a little the, bit. The energy of the crowd, he's used to yelling in an empty arena for Uh, an empty uh, arena for, for so long. Now he's got a crowd. He maybe feels like he has to yell over that more, but um, he was, uh, he was, he seemed a bit tired by the
0: end. He did indeed. So that is our uh, DM slides. You guys sent some other ones, but they are talking about things that we're going to save until our next upcoming show. So just real quick, right? Uh, This is what's coming up. Um, We're going to do our WWE show, our normal show on Tuesday. We'll talk about Mandy Rose, the whole NXT thing, Sami Zayn cutting a promo in front of the crowd, and Finn Balor coming back to WWE on SmackDown. We'll talk about Cesaro and Otis, the Tony Storm vignette, and Baron Corbin. We're going to break all of that down this coming Tuesday on the normal WWE edition of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. But before we get to that, here's what's coming up on Sunday. At 6.30 p.m. Eastern, the Silver King, Adam Silverstein live from his home office, vintage Chris Vanini, live from Fort Worth, Texas at WWE Money in the Bank. We'll do our best, hopefully technology allows it to happen, to give you a pre-show for the pay-per-view, 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Twitter Spaces. You can listen to us via the Twitter app on iOS and Android or twitter.com on desktop and mobile web. We'll go over these matches one more time Talk about things that maybe happen in WWE news over uh, the couple days leading into the pay-per-view. And we'll just kind of, like I said, go over the matches and discuss our excitement for the show. Maybe Chris will be able to give us a live report on what the stage looks like, the crowd, how busy it is, how full it is. That'll be a lot of fun. And then Sunday night, as soon as WWE Money in the Bank goes off the air, Chris will probably need a little bit of time to get out of the arena into his car and start driving home. But I'm gonna do my best to call him and do a very special WWE Money in the Bank instant analysis live on the road. Chris Vanini driving the Silver King at home, breaking down everything that happened on that pay-per-view for you almost as soon as it goes off the air. So I'm excited for all of this to come. Chris, how excited are you to go to Money in the Bank this coming Sunday?
1: I am very excited. Uh, I'm curious what the set will be, I'm curious. Uh, how the crowd will be. That's This is the first time it's ever in this arena in Fort Worth. It's opened, I think, two years ago. They were going to do a Raw, but the pandemic happened. So they haven't been to this arena yet either. So uh, I am. Looking, it's going to be a bit of a drive for me, but I wanted to do Money in the Bank over uh, over Raw. So I'm excited to see everybody first. I haven't been to a wrestling show since... The G1 Climax in Dallas, I think, or maybe there's an NFC House show. I haven't been to a WWE show since uh, WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans. So I am extremely fired up to see this in person, and I think it's going to be a really good show. Well, that is awesome. I'm excited for you, and I'm excited to bring you all the WWE
0: Money in the Bank. Instant Analysis, Sunday night as soon as that pay-per-view is off the air. So this show, as is tradition here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, went a bit longer than we suspected, but I appreciate all of you listening to the Go Home Show, the Kofi Kingston interview, and those DM slides that we promised on the way out of here. So, for Vintage Chris Vanini, this is the Silver King Adam Silverstein, and I'm going to leave you with three final words. Bye for now.